Good morning. When we are younger, we tend to act more curious and ask more questions about the world around us. We ask questions such as, who is God and what does God look like, and other questions that teach us more about our religion and spirituality. However, as we grow older, we often lose that sense of curiosity as our youth fades away, and we tend to ask less questions that can strengthen our faith and wisdom. As we enter this moment of silence, reflect on times where you have lacked childlike curiosity in the face of God, and if you have any questions about your personal religion and spirituality. Please join me in the prayer of confession. God, forgive those who us who are older when we are dismissive of the young people in our lives. Often with some age and experience, it is easy to think we know more than we do. But now, even now, the Spirit calls the young to stand up for their faith in the face of persecution, to take their talents and skills to places of danger, to raise their voices in songs of protest, to fan the fire of passionate ideals, to build communities of love and compassion, to teach the old to dream new dreams, to minister and serve for the sake of the gospel. For in them are planted the seeds of new possibilities, the gifts for the years to come, the insights that will shape the future, the promises that all things will be made new. Amen. And even when you are not childlike, you are loved, you are forgiven, so be at peace. Train children in the way they should go. When they, when they grow old, they won't depart from it. You have heard the ancient story. Let's listen now for the word of the Lord. So grateful to all of our youth and children for participating today. When Amy and I moved from Birmingham 23 years ago, we were serving two churches, both as associate pastors. Mine was a large church, and we had moved there for that job, so our two young sons had been involved in the early childhood education program. Ahead of them was a full-blown children's program and an active youth department. When we arrived at Park Road, about five teenagers was all we could scare up at one time. And the children's program was about as small. Amy and I knew selfishly, as well as for the viability of the church, that we needed to give attention to our young people. Our first personnel decision was to call a minister for youth and children. And I think it's fair to say that for more than 20 years, we have given good attention to these very important people in our congregation. A few weeks ago, I told you that I hope we uh, will step up our game a bit with Christian education at Park Road, and there is no more important place to do that than with our youngest, with those who have developing minds. J.D. McDonald has come at the right time. He has great ideas, big plans, and you are already responding to his leadership. Ten years ago, we made a decision to shift our personnel structure. This move allowed us to bring Dan McClintock on board to help us focus our attention on local missions. Despite not giving full-time attention to youth and children, for this decade, we were still able to maintain a healthy and active program. 
My first job 35 years ago was as a minister to youth. And I always said that I got more done in two weeks in the summer than the other 50 weeks combined. One week of mission trip and one week of youth camp. And I think that's still true. This summer's mission trip, Nine Girls Strong, was a great week for our youth program. On the heels of that experience, 16 teenagers enjoyed the annual week of university where they shared study and exploration, worship and play with nearly 300 other young people. The state of our youth group is strong despite the few tough years with the pandemic. Park Road is a smaller church with a big church mentality. Despite our size and our limited budget, we offer nearly all the programs of much larger churches. The mission trip and university are highlights, but we also provide an annual fall and spring retreat and a host of other wonderful activities throughout the year. Sunday mornings and Sunday nights provide opportunities for weekly growth as a group. The Wednesday evening program has been tried and true for Baptist churches for many decades, and we're having conversation with J.D. about how to re-engage the opportunity Wednesdays prevented for both children and youth. When our youth were at university, Beth Mintich was serving as camp nurse for Camp Prism, and I got to go along for the ride with three of our boys. Like its youth camp counterpart, Camp Prism was smaller this year, but we still had a wonderful week with 80 children from six churches. We're all in the same boat these days. Every church brought a group that was smaller than the last time we met. To say it plainly, like our sister churches, our ministry to children may have suffered most during COVID. With children being the last to be vaccinated, families were consistently the last to return, and as difficult as COVID was on the entire country, its impacts have probably been most severe on children and their families. Given the size of our congregation, our children's program has always gone through ebbs and flows with numbers. And as the pandemic dawned, we happened to be in one of those seasons where we had fewer children in our program. So when we interviewed with JD, we told him we thought we were in two different places with our programs. We said that he would be working to strengthen an already solid youth program, but it might feel a little more like rebuilding a children's program, and that work has already begun. In so many ways, today takes us back 23 years. With new staff and an urgency to give attention to church vitality by providing for the youngest among us. You will continue to see more and better opportunities for children and youth at Park Road because you have our pledge to continue to recognize the vital importance they and their families hold for the life of this congregation. As Amy and I were talking about this morning's service, she shared a memory from that summer 23 long years ago. We had just completed an interview with the, with the pastor search committee at Park Road. We had endured an entire day's intense scrutiny. I think the interview lasted four and a half hours. We had shared the hospitality and the friendliness of this congregation. We were making our way back to Birmingham by way of a stop to see our parents in Clinton, South Carolina. She remembers where we were in the road on Highway 72 outside of Chester when we started talking about our two sons. They were two and four years old at the time. And as we talked about what we might gain by coming here as your pastors, we also talked about 
what they might lose from leaving such a large church and a large program in Birmingham. And Amy began to cry. She was afraid for our children. And she was afraid we would not be able to grow this, this important ministry for your children. After the pandemic, some of that anxiety has returned. But what you need to know is that we think of your children as our own. And we are intent on giving them all the attention they deserve. I have every confidence the time is right, that we are positioned with the right staff and some very good people to provide a space for our young people. May it always be so. When J.D. initially texted the youth group and said he was looking for someone to give a brief talk in worship about why the church matters to them, I immediately responded saying I was interested. But when I sat down to write it, I realized just how daunting of a task this was. How in the world was I going to be able to fit why the church matters to me in just three to four short minutes? Well, the answer to that question is that Park Road Baptist Church matters to me because the church has surrounded me with joy and laughter, lifted me up and given me hope when life has kicked me down, and the church continues to offer a space where I know I can always come and find true rest and peace when life is overwhelming. Joy, hope, and peace are three ways this church has demonstrated God's love to me. The church has shown me over the years that an important part of God's love is sharing times of joy, laughter, and fun with others. I remember hunting Easter eggs on Easter Sunday, lake days with the children's group, and running with Hank and Duncan Smith to go get Mr. Rustus keys after church every Sunday so we could go play basketball before my parents made us leave. It's also very hard for me to not think of Unidiversity when I hear the words joy, laughter, and fun. Every year at Unidiversity, we sing the hug song. There's something about screaming, I want a hug, at the top of your lungs and running halfway across the auditorium to hug fellow campers that just fills you with joy. The fun, laughter, and joy are what help make a church a community and are part of the reason I keep showing up. The church has also found many ways to pick me up and give me hope whenever I've needed it. As I mentioned a few weeks ago, when I was four years old, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. In what was a very dark time for me and my family, visits from members of the church and reminders that we were not alone gave us hope. I can also remember numerous times when I was having a rough school day and seeing Liam, Clara, or Hank, or Riley in between classes and a smile away from them was all I needed to turn my day around. I can also remember being up in that baptistry, looking down on the congregation, filled with hope for what was to come in my relationship with Jesus Christ. Hope is a crucial part of life and faith, and without the church, I'd have a lot less of it. To me, I've always seen church, and specifically the youth group, as a place of peace to rest. In the middle of the school year, Sunday night youth group was a reset button for me, where I could go and just lay my worries down for an hour and a half to start my week. This is one of my favorite parts about our trips and retreats. To me, they are opportunities to just be and reset myself and refocus my priorities. Life can be too much at times, and having a place where you can go and just rest is important. To me, one of those places is the church. The church has taught me how to love my neighbor with how the church has demonstrated God's love to me through joy, hope, and peace. The church wears many different hats, but it always seems to be wearing the one I need it to be. That's why the church matters to me. When I was a little kid, I loved to ask why questions. Why do I have to brush my teeth in little circles? Why, why did Obi-Wan let Anakin live on Mustafar? Why didn't he just finish it? <laughs> why do people have two arms? Why, 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 why? And I think I loved why questions in part 
because why answers are the hardest to come by. The Proverbs are a collection of wise sayings and teachings that elders pass on to us, and they teach us in the most effective way without telling us why. They leave space for you to explore and be curious and apply this wise saying for, them, for yourself. And so today's proverb brings up a few why questions for me. Why shouldn't children, people, leave from the way they should go? Why should anyone keep the faith and run the race? Why church? Why this church? Why, 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 why? And before we start on the why of today's proverb, I think that we might start on the what. What is the way that we should go on? Our answer here is the way of Jesus, the way of human flourishing, the way of fullest personhood, the way on which you and I can become we, but still be ourselves. It's the way of beloved community where we learn to do justice and serve one another. It's the place where we become the most fully human because Jesus reveals to us what being human actually means. So why should we stay on this way? The word that's translated train a child in the way they should go could just as easily be rendered dedicate a child in the way they should go. It stands out to me that our starting point is dedication. If you're dedicated to something, you trust the thing that you're putting effort into. Dedication also assumes the need for growth, the need for commitment. To dedicate yourself or someone else to something larger takes dedication, participation, effort, and trust. So why should children or youth or adults dedicate themselves to walk along the way of Jesus? Why should we continue to believe in church, in our church? Because this is where we become the most fully human. Not here, inside of these walls, but here, alongside of these people. In the fellowship of the Spirit of God, we learn to love. None of us has the ability to be human in isolation, to be fully alive without this community. None of us has the ability to be human without God. Love is an exchange. It's something that only exists when it's shared. Even God, Creator, Son, and Spirit, from beyond time and into eternity, are sharing in this communal love. This community reflects the fellowship and love of the Trinity. It's a fellowship of the beloved because here we're dedicated to the whole and not just to ourselves. And this is not easy. I think when some of my friends from seminary hear me talk about a love-centered theology, they often picture me <laughs> like in a circle, holding hands, and singing kumbaya or something like that. 
But the way of love is not nearly so simple or so safe as that. The path of life that we dedicate ourselves to in this community is dangerous in a society that's steeped in death and decay. Catherine and Harper Fox are two phenomenal parents. And she's given me permission to share a story that I've been meditating on as I ask my why questions of this verse and of our church. Just a few weeks ago, we were at a pool party for Millie and Charlotte for their birthdays. And I was distracting Catherine, as I'm apt to do. Many of you probably recognize this about me. I'm chatting away, distracting her, and we're all focused in while Millie and Charlotte opened their birthday presents. And unbeknownst to us, while all of us are looking away, Liam, their toddler, wanders off behind us and falls into the pool, unable to swim. Before Catherine and I could even turn around and get to the poolside, someone had already jumped in and had him out of the water and back on solid ground. I've been thinking about that moment as I've been thinking about why church? Why this community? And I'll tell you, no matter how healthy your family is, whether it's dysfunctional or <laughs> making it or Mary Poppins or the Foxes, no matter how good your family is, no matter how large it is, whether you're a family unit of one like myself or you're cheaper by the dozen, no matter what, all of us need a greater community. All of us need the church. Children need teachers who have a fresh perspective or maybe fresh energy to answer their why questions. Youth need mentors they can trust to sit with as they ask the biggest why questions of life, the type that no one's qualified to answer. They also need people who love them and will take them to Waffle House at midnight on the last night of camp, every camp. All of us, all of us, adults, children, youth, etc., need this community because we need others who are different from us but attached to us, caught up in the love of God that surpasses our knowing and our affiliations and our backgrounds and our opinions. We need help when we struggle to swim, when we relapse or feel our work is meaningless or are convinced that we're alone or forget who we are and who God is. So why does anyone stay on the way of Jesus? Because they're dedicated to it. Because together we become more fully human. Because much from within and without is actively resisting the love and grace and generosity that we're called to, to replace them with greed and judgment and selfishness. The way of Jesus, the way we ought to go on, is not an easy one, but it's what we're made for, and it's worth taking. And lucky for us, the way 
to which we dedicate our lives in community happens to pass right beside of Park Road. Thanks be to God. Pray with me. Gracious God, we pray for our children and our youth as they begin that process of preparing for a new school year. And we pray for their teachers that they would be ready to receive the children and young people, not just for an education of reading and writing and all the higher ways of thinking about both of those, but as they prepare in their classroom to receive the youth and the children as they are. This day, O oh God, hold close those youth that are stressed and tired and anxious, participating in self-harm to try to ease their pain, lonely, depressed. And God, we are sick to know that it is the same for so many children. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to love that this place may always be a safe space. And we know, oh God, that for so many youth and children, there is joy and fun and laughter and hope and wide-eyed wonder and curiosity and a fullness of life. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to love that this place may always be an accepting space. What we know, O oh God, is that life is just full of ups and downs of all of that, sometimes from one moment to another, which is no different for children and youth than it is for the grown-up children of God. We all know these ups and these downs and these highs and these lows and these feelings of why and these feelings of why me intermingled with I can't wait for what is yet to come. It is an odd life that you call us to, O oh God, to live a balance between all of that. So this day we pray that we will be tender with youth and children and all of your grown-up children, that we will be open and receptive and loving, that this might indeed be the safe and accepting space that all of your people need. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.